0: Alright, last time I got to speak to you, my message was called Cultivating God's Garden. And uh so this is a sort of part two. All right. And my text this morning is eventually gonna be <laughs> is eventually gonna be 1 Samuel 3. I want to talk about a guy named Sam, or Sammy, if you want. And <laughs> Sammy was an interesting young man, but we're going to, I got a ways to go before we get to him. So let's just put that on hold. But uh, has it ever dawned on you that God does have a garden? In fact, back in the beginning of creation, literally heaven came to earth in a literal way. I mean, have you ever thought about that? Can you imagine what that was like? That literally, whatever the goodness of heaven is, Whatever that looks like, you know, we've seen the movies or heard the stories or read some books about people who have visited it. But originally God's plan was that reality spiritually to be established physically on the earth and it actually happened. Uh, I believe it was somewhere over around Kuwait or uh, uh, Iraq because it says the Tigris and Euphrates rivers, which still exist there, uh, flowed out of the garden. And of course that paradise was lost. We all know the story with Adam and Eve's sin. But before that, paradise was lost. What was God's comment about all that He made there? Man, you guys are good. It was good. We hear so much preaching about the depravity of man, which is an important theological concept. But what about the goodness of God? What about an emphasis... That originally, if you want to talk about original intent, original intent was that God created all, including man, and said, It is good. Now, of course, paradise was lost. But, you know, as Jonathan Helser sings, In a garden we fell, but in a garden, the garden of Gethsemane, he prayed, Not my will, but yours be done. The cross is made away so that we can enter in to all that He's done. Amen? And so Christ regained the garden. So last time I was taught, making some comments and, and some practical applications on how we, uh, the garden reflecting our expression of what Jesus called the kingdom, how we can corporately cultivate that garden or the kingdom of heaven on earth. Are you with me? Today what I want to do is I want to talk about your garden. I want to talk about my garden. In other words, there's the kingdom or a corporate gardening, and then there's your garden and my garden. I might plant radishes. You might plant cabbages. I might like carrots, but you might, like Chuck did a couple years ago, plant way too much corn. (laughs) You know? I mean, everybody's garden is different. But let me just say it to you this way. The reality of what the garden is is the real you. That's what I want to submit to you this morning. It's so important for us to learn to steward and cultivate this earth, this garden well, because it's the secret to your life. It's really who you are. It's what I like to call the real you. Why so? Because it's your spirit man or your spirit woman, whatever the case may be. It's the real you. All right. so what's... What's needed first for a garden? Well, besides the soil, which represents our spirits or our heart is the word used biblically, which is really our spirits. What's needed is seeds. Right? I mean, if you plant, is any gardeners in here? I know you guys are. Okay, wow, there's a lot of gardeners in here. What is a garden without seeds? It's a weed garden is what it is, you know. It's really nothing fruitful. But a garden needs seeds. And so I want to talk to you about the word of the Lord. Let's start with Matthew 4. Jesus answered and said, of course, this is in the context of Jesus being tempted by the devil after in the, in the uh, desert for 40 days after his baptism. But he answered and said, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Everybody say word. By every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now you old timers are really familiar with this. But for some of those like myself who are a little bit newer. Let me just uh, reflect for a moment on what the word word actually means in the context of Jesus' statement. Which by the way is from Deuteronomy 8. Okay and Jesus I think knew the Bible pretty well. And so he was reflecting back to the time where the Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years had nothing to eat and God provided manna for them, right? Here's what out of a commentary on Strong's Concordance says about that word, word. It's the uh, Greek word Strong, uh That which is said or spoken, an utterance, in contrast to logos, which is the expression of a thought, a message, a discourse. Logos is the message. Rhema is the communication of the message. You got that? Logos is the message. Rhema is the communication of the message. In reference to the Bible, Logos is the Bible in its entirety. Rhema is a verse from the Bible. The meaning of Rhema in distinction to Logos is illustrated in Ephesians 6.17. You know, that's where he's talking about the full armor of God, right? Paul's talking about that. He's talking about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, right? Okay, you with me? So Ephesians six seventeen, where the reference is not to the Scriptures as a whole, but to that portion which the believer wields as a sword in the time of need. Okay? So let me just take you back for a second to the beginning, since that's where we began. And I want, this isn't going to be up on the screen because what I want to do is I want to combine what is the Old and New Testament creation accounts. We did this in the Adventure School and it's really cool. Have you ever noticed that in John 1, John gives a very um, creative expression to a testimony about Jesus of Nazareth? The way he begins, he begins with a Genesis 1 kind of personality. In his portrayal. How many people have ever noticed that? Well, what's cool, I did this one day, and to um, kind of alternate verses between John 1, 1 through, I don't know, and and Genesis 1. And so that's what I want to read to you now, and just see, you get such a, a cool expression of what the Word is. The Word, okay, sorry. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Isn't that awesome? The Word literally produced the light. The light, spiritually, is the love of God. That's what John taught in 1 John 1, that God is love, right? God is light. It's the light love of God that manifested in the physical realm when God spoke it, and in the spiritual realm manifested in just the same way through an expression of God's love. Through an agape expression. Isn't that awesome? So many times we read Genesis 1 and think, well, cool, this is how God made things. He spoke, you know, light was created. Yes, it was, but also love was created. Because I'd submit to you that it would be impossible to create anything without it being originated from love. And that's why it was all good when He originally finished the creation. Let's look at some other examples of the Word of the Lord in the Old Testament. I'm just taking some glimpses here. 1 Kings 6.11, The word of the Lord came to Solomon. As for this temple you're building, if you follow my decrees, observe my laws, and keep all my commands and obey them, I will fulfill through you the promise I gave to David your father. And I will live among the Israelites and will not abandon my people Israel. So Solomon built the temple and completed it. It's a pretty good word, isn't it? What was required there? Some action wasn't it? Some stepping out of the boat. All right, what about 1 Kings 17 too? Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. This time it's for provision. How many people need a word for provision in your life right now? Leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Careth ravine east of the Jordan. You'll drink from the brook and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Careth ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he drank from the brook. Here's an interesting one by King David in Psalm 33, 4. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. Get this, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere Him. For He spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Do you believe in the Word of the Lord? It's amazing sometimes in... The American church, in general, how absent a belief in the word of the Lord is. Have you ever noticed that? There's some whole groups of believers that don't don't even have a a consensus that God still speaks today. Wow, really? (laughs) How can that be? Because Jesus Himself said, "Listen, I don't live just on bread." but on every word that comes from Daddy, that comes from Abba, every word. And, uh, you know, just to be honest with you, part of where this is coming from is I've had multiple conversations with young adults over, the, let's say, the last six months. And all those, what those conversations had in common were about kind of direction for their lives and kind of what they wished and what they were hoping for. And you know how sometimes you can tell more about from what a person doesn't say than from what they do say. And one of the things I found lacking in what they've been they were saying ha, was anything having to do with what the Lord had said, like a word of the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I'm just that concerns me, guys. I, I'm I'm really concerned about that because you know if you're an hour old in the Lord, or maybe you 're not a Christian yet this morning, or you've been with the Lord for forty eight years it's still we 're all still in the same boat without the Word of the Lord, we do nothing. Let me rephrase that without the Word of the Lord, we do nothing fruitful, right What was that Billy Graham that said something like ninety seven percent of all church activity? could keep on going without the Holy Spirit being involved at all. You know, it's kind of convicting words coming from the patriarch, Billy. You know, the word of the Lord is absolutely essential to everything that you and I do from the time we rise to the time we go to sleep. I truly believe that with all my heart. I don't want you to go one more day without pursuing a heart that cries out for the word of the Lord. Let me set the stage for Sam. Here's where Sam comes into our story. Thousands of years ago, there was a the man Abraham, right? Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons, which was the 12 tribes of Israel, of which Joseph is highlighted towards the end of the book of Genesis. Joseph, of course, becomes second in command to Pharaoh in Egypt kind of like the prime minister, if you will, and saves his entire clan from starvation. So they all move to Egypt. But when Joseph dies, there arose a Pharaoh who did not remember Joseph. And seeing all these Hebrews, he decided, you know what? They're becoming too numerous because they've always been a blessed race. (laughs) Like it or not, they always will be. They're becoming too numerous and powerful and guess what? We need somebody to build all these building projects for us so they became slaves. For over 400 years, our ancestors spiritually or physically, if you're Jewish, our ancestors worked and toiled in excruciating, terrible, Holocaust-like conditions. But yet the Lord was with them. Until He rose up the deliverer name. Mo, <laughs> Moses. Moses, 40 years, of course, raised as the prince of Egypt. But Hebrews records he could see afar off the cross of Christ and chose not for the fleeting pleasures of the world or Egypt, but to identify with his, his ancestors, the Hebrews. And so just to skim over the story, he goes into exile for the next 40 years. Until God comes to him and calls him in a burning bush, go and set my people free. And he goes, yes, I will, Lord. No questions asked. I'm there. Nah. <laughs> no. No, Mo was just like me and you. Uh, what? You said, what? Uh, nah, I don't know who you're talking to. Is there somebody behind me? You've got the wrong guy, Lord. I mean, God is definitely slow to anger. Because if I were God, lightning bolts right now on Mo's head! How dare! I mean, for goodness' sakes, if you're God, you sent a burning bush with an audible voice, and then the guy argued. Like, would you do that? You know, I mean, uh, you know, it's, it takes much more faith to hear the still, quiet voice and have a certainty that it was God. But, like, if this catches on fire and then a voice comes out telling you exactly what to do, how many people would prefer that sometimes? (laughs) Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. All right. So, sure enough, God sets the Israelites free, parts the Red Sea. You know the Sunday school story. And they end up wandering in the wilderness on the way to the promised land for 40 years. Because of his unbelief, Moses dies in the wilderness, not yet to inherit the promise But his boy, his protege Joshua, bold and courageously, he rises up. And they eventually, after 40 years, they cross with the next generation into the promised land. They spend seven years in the next era with the conquest of Canaan, fighting all the enemies of this promised land that had been destined for them. After that seven-year period started what's called the period of the judges. From my estimation, the period of the judges lasted about 330 years. Okay, it started with Othniel, I believe his name is, Ehud. You would recognize names like the woman warrior Deborah. Come on, ladies. And then, of course, the uh, buff man like Marlon Sampson, you know, was one of the judges. There were 15 judges in all. The problem is during the period of the judges, during those centuries... The story of our ancestors is that they went through this cycle. And the cycle looked like, oh man, we love you, God. We're on fire for you. Whoa, check her out. <laughs> and like they're over here getting all intertwined in unsanctioned marriages and relationships. And before you know it, they're ended up akin to slaves again. Until they cry out, oh God, I'll never do that again. How many people have ever prayed that prayer? alright there's some honest people in the room I'll never do that again if you'll just help me out this is one time I promise again God is slow to anger and he sends a judge like those previously mentioned to deliver them and then the cycle continues can you believe that 15 times at least that cycle continued And in the story here, we come to the 14th, and that's Eli. Okay? And in Eli's day, the moral fabric of Israel is greatly eroding. So much to the point that we're going to see in 1 Samuel 3 that it says there was no widespread revelation or word of the Lord. And there was this lady who was so desperate to have a baby. Her name was Hannah, and she was barren, and she was so desperate. And she cried out to the Lord, Lord, if you'll give me a boy, if you'll give me a daughter, either if you'll give me a child, I'll dedicate them to the temple to serve you all the days of their life. And guess what? God opened her womb, did a miracle, brought healing, just like He had done for Sarah and Abraham of long ago. And she bore a son, and his name was... Sammy. <laughs> Samuel. All right, let's be, let's be official about it. His name was Samuel, but somehow Sammy makes it a little bit more relatable for me. Let's pick up in the story in 1 Samuel 3. 1 Samuel 3, one. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word... Whoa, where would it go? Okay. My iPad's had some playing tricks on me. Okay, stay now. All right, and the word of the Lord was rare. Everybody say rare. rare. It was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. Has anybody ever felt that way just personally? Like, if you were asked at a certain period about, man, what are you hearing from the Lord? This would kind of be your description. Like, it's rare. You know, if I'm going to be honest, I'm not getting a whole lot. Is there is anybody like me? Like anybody? Yeah, okay, good. I, I just want to make sure I'm in the right family. And there was no widespread revelation of the Lord. And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim, which I think is kind of a prophetic picture of the spiritual state of the the nation, his eyes began to grow so dim that he could not see. And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, which represents the Holy Spirit, where the ark of God was. And while Samuel was lying down that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, I didn't call, lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. He answered, I didn't call, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Now I think this is the linchpin of the chapter right here. Isn't this interesting? Verse 7 Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Well, what do you mean he didn't know the Lord? I mean, of course he knew the Lord. His mama knew the Lord. Uh, Probably his ancestors knew the Lord. He uh, had been dedicated to the temple. He didn't run off. He wasn't a runaway. So, I'm sure he'd been taught all the stories of the Talmud. I mean, he knew the Lord, meaning he knew in his mind a lot of information, if you will, right? About the Lord. Oh, but that's not what this knowing is. This is an experiential knowing. Samuel had not yet experienced God for himself. Nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. Then the Lord called Samuel again the third time he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must speak. That you must say, Sorry, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. I'm telling you guys, the Lord is calling out to our generation right now. And He's saying, I'm going to do something in your day that when everybody hears it, they're going to stand amazed. They're going to be held in wonder. Not just signs, but wonders. Wonders that make people wonder. Could it be? Could it be? He gets this really harsh word for Eli. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read through all that. You can read through that on your own time. But really the most essential part of it is that he delivers the word. In other words, he's obedient to what he hears from God. And so at the end of the chapter, it says... um, Verse 18, then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Verse 19 says, Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. And let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Many theologians believe that it wasn't just again for Samuel, but there began to be a widespread movement throughout the nation of the word of the Lord because this one young man said, Yes, I want to hear it and I want to obey and I want to deliver the word. It's like he was an open, he was a gateway, he was an open heaven, just one person. He was an open heaven to a whole generation of Israelites. And you guys have an opportunity to be that same thing. And all of us. To be people who greatly not only need and desire, but honor the Word of the Lord. He's to be highly esteemed. He is the words of life. His words, as we've seen, have creative power in our lives, in our ministries. The unadulterated word of the Lord. I believe that's the time we live in. Because think about this Samuel was a transition, it was a transitionary period. It was the end of an era and the beginning of an era. Because what followed Samuel's ministry, who was the last judge of Israel, the monarchy. Remember King Saul? Samuel anointed him. Remember King David? Right? Samuel anointed him. So, what I'm feeling in my spirit today is this. Is that here we stand also as a people in a generation at the end of one era and the, to the beginning of another one. You know, we've talked about this many times, but just to reiterate, with the um, passing on to glory of of Incredible men and women of God, like Oral Roberts and Bob Jones, and soon to be inevitably Arthur Burt and Billy Graham, and the list goes on and on. There is an incredible generation of Samuels who are dying and going on to glory to join the great cloud of witnesses and pass you the torch and say, Will you carry it? Will you be a voice? And there's a lot more in that because it's moving from that into a kingdom authority. Because remember, Samuel transition into the kingdom, the kingdom realm of a king and, and, and the kingdom. And that's where we're at, guys. And that's where, going back to the last message and steward in the kingdom, we have to understand what our kingdom authority is like. You guys okay? Thank you, Holy Spirit. So number one, in the kingdom everything rises and falls on the word of the Lord. How did it happen for Samuel through an encounter? Just one encounter. Has anybody ever had an encounter with the Lord that I don't know changed your life? How many people have had more than one? You would say. Three? Five okay, sorry. I just don't think we can emphasize this enough. We're going to read you an excerpt from Heidi Baker's book that we got yesterday. It's called Birthing the Miraculous The Power of Personal Encounters. Birthing the Miraculous The Power of per- Personal Encounters. And um, if you don't know who Heidi Baker is, she's this short blonde lady from Laguna Beach, California, who wound up living in the dirt of one of the most impoverished nations in the world, Mozambique, Africa. And uh, prior to where I pick up here in her story, her husband, Roland, and her had gotten, I don't know, uh, several advanced degrees in theology, had set out as missionaries in, in India and Asia and Africa with some moderate success, okay? Until a day came... One day in Toronto, Canada, when they attended a conference there, a man named Randy Clark, may have heard of him, was preaching. And she says, Randy, stop preaching. He put his hands on me and said, God wants to know, do you want the nation of Mozambique? I screamed, yes, with everything within me. He continued, the blind will see, the deaf will hear. The crippled will walk, the dead will be raised, and the poor will hear the good news. The power of God hit me like lightning. I vibrated and screamed. It was a wild day in church, okay? I truly thought I was going to die. The impression I felt from God was good, I want you dead. He's so kind. I do believe God wants us to die, but He doesn't want to leave us dead. He wants us dead so we can be resurrected in the power of His glory. He wants to give us a new life that is no longer our own, but wholly given to Him. I remember a cry of, yes, that passed directly from my heart to His. I didn't even think about it. If I had thought about it, I probably would have screamed, no. (laughs) You relate with that, Jim? Jehovah Sneaky there, he'll get you every time. For seven days and seven nights, this is her testimony, after that I felt the presence and power of God so intensely that I was disabled. I wasn't able to walk, talk, or move. The Holy Spirit had to tell people to pour water down my throat once in a while to give me a drink. I had to be carried in the restroom, to the restroom. Many people laughed. The whole thing seemed funny to them. There was nothing funny about it to me. It was a powerful and holy time. After this impartation, we returned to Mozambique. Over the next year, our circumstances became more challenging than ever. Roland and our daughter came down with multiple cases of severe malaria. I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Our financial situation became even worse. Our Mozambican children were living in tents with worms and rats biting their toes at night. How many people would be questioning the word of the Lord at that moment? I kept believing in the word given to me. During that whole year, I prayed for healing for all the blind people I met in Mozambique. Because remember, that was the word. Blind eyes are going to open. Blind eyes are going to open. Every blind person, they all met Jesus, but none of them saw. None of them. For one year. Then, after one year, God opened the heavens. The words started coming true. The blind began to see. The deaf began to hear. The crippled began to walk. Three of our Mozambican pastors raised people from the dead. Think that would make the evening news? Church growth exploded. Our history ever since has been filled to the brim with wild and wonderful tales. At the time of this prophetic word, we had planted one church in Hong Kong, one in England, and two in Mozambique. So that's nice. Four churches. I mean, pretty good. Yeah. That was the visible fruit we had after many years of ministry. We had two small Mozambican churches, and that was with compulsory attendance at the children's center, where our children had to attend church before eating lunch on Sundays. Our other church met in a garbage dump. (laughs) So where are you going to go from that church? Since that time, our movement has seen more than 10,000 churches planted in and around Mozambique. Branches of the work have spread to more than 30 nations worldwide. A few thousand of these new churches are in Cabo Delgado province in the far north of Mozambique, our adopted home in the home of the Makua and Mukande tribes, previously the largest unreached people groups in southeastern Africa. I know, she says, I'm just one tiny person in the big picture of God's glorious purpose for Mozambique. I'm one little mama ministering in the dirt. But I believe that if God can use a donkey... He can use me. I want to be a catalyst for God's glory. I want to believe God can cause His love and glory to shine out of my little laid down life. And out of your little laid down life, no matter how impossible a promise from God seems, we can respond as Mary, the mother of Jesus, did with a yielded cry of, Yes! Even the smallest yes Matters to God, and in prayer this morning, I saw a million Heidi Bakers in this generation. I believe there's a million people just like her, that are going to not just do the works that Jesus did but truly the greater works. I mean, they have seen you name it every and it comes at a tremendous price. Even after the glory began, you know, her husband almost lost his mind and died. And I mean, unspeakable tragedies have been around them. It's not like some, you know, romantic tale of all good. But I'm just going to ask you, when the Lord says, step out of the boat and I'll do the rest. What will your answer be? Will you say yes? In Luke 8, i got to wrap this up quickly, when a great multitude gathered, they came to him from every city. He spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. As he sowed, some fell by the wayside and was trampled down. The birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock. As soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. But others fell on good ground, sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When He had said these things, He cried out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He's talking about your spirit, not these ears. Then His disciples asked Him, saying, What does this parable mean? And He said, Aha, to you it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to the rest it's given in parables. That seeing they may not see, hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is, is the word of God. There you go. Back to cultivating your garden. You have no garden without seed. What has God said to you? I don't care if it was 56 years ago and it hasn't happened. What has God said to you? Well, I don't know, Matthew. I don't know what God said to me. Then wait, watch me work and receive the reward. That was that's a word from the Lord that Sarah and I have stood on over the last year and a half. Wait, watch me work and receive the reward. And in other words, if you have no seed, then don't go to farming. There's no point in farming weeds, because honestly, let's just say it like this: everything else is hay wooden stubble. The word of the Lord is the only fruitful seed that there is. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear, then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Hey, don't be fooled. I guarantee during that time after Toronto, even with that dramatic seven days on the floor paralyzed that Heidi had, there were many, many moments, days, probably hours, where the enemy was vying for that seed. Can he take your soul? No. Can he take the word? Yes, he can. That's up to the Holy Spirit in combination with us to guard that seed. So when I talk about your garden this morning, what is the condition of the soil of your spirit? Is it rocky? Is it shallow? Is it thorny? Let's look at the thorns for a minute. The ones on who believe for a while. Okay, now the ones that fell among thorns are those who when they have heard go out and are choked with. And this is kind of convicting for me. I hope I don't step on your toes. Choked with cares, riches, which by the way, I don't think is just an abundance of money, could also be a lack of money, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. One of my favorite Jim Hillisms is about his many adventures in the far reaches of the earth is better than sitting home watching reruns of Seinfeld. I love that. That just sticks with me. Because I I grew up on Seinfeld. I love Seinfeld. The show about nothing. You guys know what I'm talking about? Oh my gosh. I lo- it's good watching reruns of Seinfeld. Do you know what I'm saying? But the good is always the enemy of the best, right? <laughs> to go Arthur <laughs> Burt. What's way better is seeing blind eyes open, deaf ears open, the crippled walking. The unreached people groups of the Andes Mountains hearing the good news. The Gospels uh, preached to the poor. The dead being raised, come on. That's the word of the Lord for you and I. Let the soil of your heart be hovered over, as in Genesis 1. What hovered over the surface of the deep? The Spirit of God. Let the Holy Spirit hover over your spirit and bring fertilizer into your soil. That's what I see the Spirit being. It's fertilizer. It brings accelerated growth. It brings nutrients that weren't there before. It brings nourishment. It brings life. It causes things to abound exponentially one moment in a contact with the Spirit of God. Lord, may we come into encounters with you. Today and in this near future, encounters, 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 we decree it over our lives and over everyone we come into contact with. May we be a generation sold out absolutely to encounters with you. Too bad I'm out of time because I feel like I'm just getting going. Let me just pass on this one tidbit that I learned finally by age 40. Still a young man, right? Is 40 young? Okay, all right. I, I thought so, because, uh, yeah, I, I, my motto is 40 is the new 20. So that's kind of how I feel. And uh, But anyway, it took me a long time to really get this. It's my third point, by the way, if you're taking notes. In learning to hear the word of the Lord, keep in mind that he didn't make us an island. He set us in families and church families as protection. Are you guys hearing me over here in the amen corner? Okay. He gave you moms and dads and spiritual moms and dads. Not because you're stupid. Don't, don't get me wrong, but you're growing in wisdom we're all growing in wisdom and revelation years ago i made some of the stupidest mistakes as a young man because of this one critical error i thought i had heard the word of the lord and all the people around me parents friends let's see brother i know i'm revealing my secrets here Pastor, youth pastor, all said the opposite that it wasn't the Lord. And you know what I did? <laughs> yeah, I did it anyway. Dumb, dumb, dumb. No, 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 no. So just please learn from that. And honestly, I'm talking over here, but you know, right? <laughs> jump's paying attention. We're in a family here. And the reason I'm stressing this is I feel like the American church has way strayed from this perspective. I mean, I would challenge you. If you feel like you're supposed to get married, you should talk to some elders. You know, you should talk, obviously, your parents, trusted friends. I would recommend the pastor. I mean, if you're considering, like, stepping out in a major, like, business or something, hey, what's it going to hurt? To get with your true spiritual family and say, hey, will you pray with me on this? And waiting on God before you just jump out there. Okay? Now listen, we're all newbies in this. I just shared one of my catastrophic failures and I could tell you at least 28 more stories that maybe not quite as severe but similar. So if you're sitting here and feeling like there's condemnation coming on you, that's not my intent whatsoever. Because that's not the heart of your papa, of your father. He's so loving and gracious. And like we heard Larry Randolph said, if it's not plan A, it's plan B. If it's not plan B, it's plan C. And then plan D, E, F, G, all the way to Z. And then you can start over again with double A, double B, all the way to triple Z plan. That God can have for your life. Now that's a great Calvinist for you. (laughs) God is gracious. Let me bring this to a close. In the kingdom. In your garden. Everything rises and falls on the word of the Lord. And uh, I want to pray for you right now. In fact. If you. Let's just say this. If you're sitting here this morning and you're going, "Oh my gosh, you don't even know how bad I need a word from the Lord right now." I just want you to stand up. Just stand up. Just be bold. And I mean it doesn't it really doesn't have to be everybody in the room that's not my intent and I'm not going to make you uh recite 38 verses and pray the sinner's prayer or anything, okay? So But I just believe I believe so much in you guys. When I look at you, I just see world changers, Heidi Bakers. I mean, I just see that the kingdom is exploding through you. And so, if you're not standing, I'm going to ask you to get up and lay hands on someone who is standing. Would you do that with me, guys? This is just family time. It's just family time. We just want to pray right now just a simple prayer of faith that A, the Word of the Lord would come quickly (laughs) to these, and B, that the grace of God would be there to hear and obey the Word. Are you following me? Because the Word of the Lord, that's just the beginning as we've seen. All right, so here we go. Just agree with me. You can pray in the Spirit. God, we just ask you right now, Holy Spirit, We ask you, in this myriad of needs here represented in this room, we ask you to speak. Holy Spirit of God, we thank you that you're shouting out your heart all the time. So, Lord, if it's their spiritual ears that are clogged, open them right now in the name of Jesus. We command the deaf to hear right now in Jesus' name. Lord, if it's a Um, a a timing thing, we pray that you would give them the grace and patience to wait and watch you work and receive the reward. Thank you, God, for doing that. And finally, Lord, we pray for your grace. God, that when we're weak and our natural fears and personality quirks want to just question the Word, I ask you for your grace to keep it. We ask You, Holy Spirit, to hover over that seed and protect it and cause it to germinate and cause it to grow in our hearts. That the kingdom might grow like a mustard seed and take over. That our generation would see what the heart of the Father is, an expression of Your plans and purposes. We just thank You for that. Amen.
1: I just want to speak something over you guys. I just felt like the Lord reminded me of something one of my sons just declared, just was kind of declaring without realizing it this past week. He play, they play these game, it's called Minecraft, but there's a survival mode and there's a creative mode on it. And we were riding in the car and my son, something, somebody said something to him. He goes, oh, I'm in creative mode. I am not in survival mode. And um, he wasn't talking about the game. He just applied it to his life. And I just, when he said that, I was like, I looked at Matthew and I was like, yeah, we need, the Lord wants to speak to us. He wants to encounter us. He wants us to realize he wants us to join with him, that he wants us in creative mode. No more survival mode. No more survival mode. The, in the survival mode, they have to, they're constantly worrying about something attacking them and where they're going to get their food and all that. They're just constantly worried about things. But in creative mode, they, it's just like, they're just creating all this stuff. And so I just want to declare that over you right now. I just pray over each person in this room, Holy Spirit, right now. I just ask you for a fresh, revelation of your father's hearts, of what it really means to be sons and daughters, that we could be released, released in freely into creative mode with you. No more survival mode. I just declare right now it's a new day. It is a new day, a new day, a fresh day, a fresh a freshness of your spirit, a freshness of hearing your voice encounters with you and being able to walk forward. I just declare over every person that's in business, that's in... um just in your jobs that there would be just fresh revelation that they would be able to join with you and just to really be in just the creative mode with you declaring hearing your word and declaring what you say let things that that they would declare the things that are not as though they were that they would declare those words and see the creative you just coming in and through them, Lord. I just declare, I break off right now by the blood of Jesus, any survival mode mentalities right now, just be broken off right now over every child of God right now in Jesus name, by the blood of Jesus, it, I just break it off of you right now. That mindset, just put your hands on your mind right now the mindset of being in a survival mode be broken off right now in Jesus' name and that they will be free as sons and daughters to be released in creative mode. Your kingdom come, your perfect will be done in and through them right now. Fresh revelation, fresh creativity coming forth, dreams and visions, angelic visitations being released Right now, in Jesus' name, the mind of Christ be in you. Right now, in Jesus' name, Amen. Um.
0: So the word uh, I got a word of knowledge for healing, uh, and I don't even know what this is, but it's colitis. So if anybody in here has been diagnosed with colitis, if that's a thing, um, just come running, come up here. I want to pray for you. Just receive healing right now, because the word, the Lord just spoke it. Okay, so. You're healed right now. But hey, listen, if you're in here and you've never been born again, you don't know Jesus in a personal way, our ministry team's coming up, coming up here and say, hey, man, I want to know Jesus for the first time. If you need healing or personal ministry of any sort besides that, that's what we're here for. So you guys be blessed. Have a great rest of your weekend.